Hey y'all, Pastor Drew here. In this specific podcast, I'm be leading our intercessory team through a 10-week book study. The book study is called Breaking Spiritual Strongholds in Your City. It's written by C. Peter Wagner and about eight or seven other co-authors. So I just want to encourage each of us to go through this together because uh, we'll be using this as a model for what we're going to be doing with our intercessory team in this coming season. And I believe there are some vital tools that C. Peter Wagner and his team will share with us in this book. Um, I can't tell you how stoked I am for the growth and empowerment we will experience together as we move through this. All right, so in this book study, I will be doing a brief review and mostly be going over uh, the stuff that stuck out to me. These aren't the most important things necessarily. These are just the things I felt God highlighted to me. I hope that as we move through this, you will find important points that I might miss. And if you would, just add them to our group discussions um, on our email chain. All right, so let's get started off today with a summation of the preface and intro of the book. The preface is pretty much a disclaimer uh, for two things that Wagner says he would add if he rewrote the book today. Originally, the book is written in the 1990s, but because this was authored by so many co-authors, Wagner felt it would be difficult to reorganize uh, and rewrite the book um, as a team, and it would just be better if he simply mentioned these disclaimers to the reader. All right, so moving into the intro, uh, it mainly introduces us to spiritual mapping, where it comes from and what it is, and then it introduces us to the authors and tells us how qualified they are. At the end of the chapter, he talks about whether spiritual mapping is biblical. He also talks about the law of spiritual warfare, which I found absolutely fascinating. And he talks about praying for spiritual unity and keeping focus on the main thing. Okay, so let's dive into the preface. As I said before, the preface is mainly a disclaimer about two things, dominion mandate and the apostolic government. The author talks about how these are the two main things that God has been revealing over the last 20 to 30 years that he would add now and would benefit the book. The first one is the dominion mandate. The Dominion Mandate mainly has to do with two things. First is the Great Commission, that we are called to go into all the world and make disciples. And the second is God's kingdom reign here on earth as it is in heaven. The main thing Wagner pointed out about this is that the call of God on our lives is far greater than he initially emphasized in the book that God calls us to regional, citywide, nationwide, and international impact. He doesn't just call us to pray for individuals or even just individual churches. On page 13, Wagner writes, Our prayers are for the whole community to be transformed, not just individuals who live in that community. So, as a team, 
we can continue to grow in broadening our reach, not just to the church, but to our city, our state, our nation, and possibly even other countries. Now, for now, we're just going to be sticking with our church in greater Orlando, but God may eventually broaden that which we pray for as an intercessory team. Okay, so the second disclaimer in the preface, um, Wagner talks about apostolic government. Um, Now, we know the apostolic government that he writes about as the fivefold ministry. Now, it's interesting to me, as I read this chapter, that uh, one of the four main prayer topics that our intercessory team is praying for is what he writes about here. Uh, As I read it, I I took it as confirmation from the Lord that God is not only inclining our hearts as uh, Illuminate Church to the fivefold ministry, but he's inclining uh, many people across the world to how important it is that the fivefold ministry rise up in our churches. Now, as Wagner writes about it, he talks about how he... uh, brought awareness in the book to pastors and teachers when he first wrote it, but that as he's seen this develop in the church, this growing awareness of the fivefold ministry, that he wishes he would have brought more awareness to apostles and prophets within the book. Uh, and, and he just felt like it was important for us to know that uh, we should be aware of this as we read it. All right, so um, now transitioning into the intro chapter. Wagner begins this chapter by focusing on how spiritual mapping started for him. He said he heard about it in the 1990s from a pastor who had done it in San Francisco. This pastor was seeking the Lord to map out what spiritual forces of darkness were seeking to take dominion in the region of San Francisco. From there, Wagner talks about how a group of intercessors and prophets began to uh, began a few different groups that focused on spiritual mapping. Of course, he was one of their leaders, uh, but that they kind of just progressed from there and this movement began. Next, Wagner says that the reason for this book on spiritual mapping is that God led him put it together. So he really feels like it's from God's leading. But he also talks about how those who contributed to the book are the foremost spiritual mappers in the world. And um, and I think that's pretty incredible. As we read it, we can know we're hearing from men and women that uh, have really proven themselves, and the Lord has brought about great fruit through their, their ministry in spiritual mapping. All right, so next, Wagner defines spiritual mapping in this section, saying that it's an attempt to see a given region as it really is and not just as it appears to be. I just thought that was so powerful. And by the grace of God, being able to see our region, I believe he's going to reveal what greater Orlando looks like 
And as we work together, I think he's even going to paint a clearer picture than any one of us can can see. That together, as we pray into this and seek the Lord, he's going to reveal specific things about spiritual mapping that each of us are going to contribute to. So I'm really excited about that, us coming together and, and being able to map out our city and then seek the Lord for how he wants us to proceed from there. Next in the chapter, Wagner talks about the contributors, which I'm not going to go into except to say that they're incredibly qualified individuals who, who we would be blessed to meet and learn from someday. And maybe, who knows, we'll get to come, we'll get to hear someone come and lecture us, uh, lecture to us from this group. I don't know about that, but it, it might, might happen someday. You know, that'd be cool. All right, so also Wagner brings up a book in this section um, by Cindy Jacobs. And because the Lord has put gates and spiritual doors on our hearts through this whole process already, this book is called Possessing the Gates of the Enemy. And I thought that, hmm, there's no coincidence about that. This might be the next book we go through after uh, breaking strongholds in our city. All right, so um, Wagner also makes it clear in this section that spiritual mapping is not the goal we should be shooting for. Discipleship of the nations is the goal. Spiritual mapping, though, brings awareness to really what is out there. But then we must seek the Lord regarding how to deal with it and how to unleash his kingdom. Wagner eventually gets to, later on in the chapter, whether spiritual mapping is biblical. And of course, he argues that it is. He uses Ezekiel 4, 1 through 3 as an example. Now, in this passage, God instructs Ezekiel to get a map and to lay spiritual siege against it. Um, of course, Wagner believes that this is an example in the Bible of spiritual mapping. He points out that um, a map exists from even before Ezekiel's time, from 1500 BC, that reveals spiritual mapping taking place even back then. Now, in on this map, specific spirits are named over specific regions on the map. Um, Another biblical passage that I thought gives credence to spiritual mapping is Daniel 9. Um, And I thought of this as I was reading the chapter. He doesn't bring it up in in the introduction, but this is something that I thought of. But in Daniel 9, uh, a messenger angel comes to Daniel. Uh, Many believe that this messenger angel was Gabriel himself. Um, But he comes to Daniel and tells him that he was sent to Daniel the moment Daniel started praying, which was over 20 days before, but that the prince of Greece, who is a regional spiritual force of darkness, he's a ruler over that area, over Greece. This prince of Greece was sent to keep Gabriel from bringing the message to Daniel. This battle got so heated that Michael the archangel eventually gets involved and he comes against this uh, prince of, of Greece and it keeps him tied up, keeps him uh, busy in battle while Gabriel goes and brings the, the message to Daniel. 
So, if nothing else, uh, regarding spiritual mapping, this passage reveals that specific demons are assigned to specific regions. All right, so Wagner goes on um, and writes about whether spiritual mapping glorifies Satan. And I thought this was a really important thing to address, as some of us may have this question. So Wagner agrees that we should always keep our eyes on God as we do spiritual war. And he acknowledges that some get so fascinated by spiritual mapping, because it's a fascinating topic, of course, but they get so fascinated about spiritual mapping, and they they even almost make it an end of itself, but they don't ever go to spiritual battle. And and that's the point. we're, We're mapping so that we can see what the enemy is doing, ask God what he wants us to do about it, and then go and fight against the enemy and release God's kingdom. Um, And so he warned against this. He's like, keep your eyes on God. Don't make spiritual mapping an end. Don't put your eyes on the enemy. He's like, this is a tool. All right, so Wagner goes on to say, though, and this is, this is big. This is why we do spiritual mapping. He says, a greater danger than glorifying the enemy is ignoring the enemy. Now, I thought this was just a great point. But he, he goes on to say that those researching cancer don't glorify cancer, that they're learning what they can about cancer so they can defeat it. And in the same way, we're becoming informed by spiritual mapping about our enemy so God can lead us to defeat them. Now, another way of describing this is if we run into battle without knowing who we're facing and without a winning strategy, then we'll lose simply because we're ignorant to what God would reveal to us. But if we go into battle informed knowing who we're facing, having the strategy of God on our hearts, then God will lead us to victory every time, and there is no enemy that can stand against us. Now, Wagner also makes the point of saying that uh, it's been proven that coming against demons is far more effective when we're able to specifically name that demon. And I can I can attest to this being true in my own life that it's very difficult to actually cast a demon out if you don't know who they are. And so um, I think that he's, he's absolutely right. All right, next, Wagner talks about the law of warfare from Deuteronomy 20. Now, I confess that this was totally fascinating to me because I, I just, uh, I, I've never heard of it. Um, and, and, and that was crazy. I mean, I, I've been a pastor for, what, 13 years, something like that, and I've never heard of the law of warfare before. And so I just dug into this chapter after I read uh, what Wagner wrote, and I was just enthralled by it. But here's just a quick synopsis of what uh, God wrote through Moses in this chapter. All right, um, so they begin with uh, the priests addressing the people. And the priests instruct the people that God is with them and will give them victory so they have nothing to fear. 
Then God tells the officers, whether it be generals or captains, but he tells the officers to go around and to talk to the men, to the men and begin to weed out who should be going to battle with them. The first group that they were, the officers were called to weed out were, was anyone who recently built a house but hasn't lived in it yet. The second group was anyone who planted a vineyard but hasn't eaten from its fruit. The third group was anyone who's engaged but hasn't slept with his wife. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. And the fourth group is anyone who is fearful or faint-hearted. And the reason God wanted these men weeded out was that fearfulness would spread throughout the camp to others if left there. So he didn't want fearfulness among the men. Now, I just thought that this was crazy fascinating that he would go pick out these specific groups of men and tell them that they needed to leave, you know, that they, they needed to uh, go, go home. And, and that, that was just amazing to me. All right, so now then they were told in this same chapter, Deuteronomy 20, that when they drew near to the cities, Um, to defeat the men there, that they weren't to hurt the women and children. But then God makes an exception for the cities that are in the promised land. He says that everyone, whether men, women, or children, are supposed to be killed in the promised land. And the reasoning he gives for this is that they wouldn't lead the people to worship their gods. And as you and I, if if you've read um, those passages, you know that The Israelites didn't do a very good job of this. They didn't kill everyone, and because they didn't kill everyone, a lot of the Israelites fell into the trap of worshiping uh, the regional gods that the other people were worshiping, and God was very angry about this. Okay, so the next thing he brings up is uh, specific instruction about trees, which I was like, what? God's talking to them about trees, and this has to do with warfare. So he tells them, he says, um, if you're going in the promised land, he's like, don't destroy the trees, um, but leave the trees there because these trees will be your food in the future. So don't, don't cut them down because you're going to be eating from them in seasons in the future. But he, sa- he tells them, he gives them permission that they can cut down and build siege works of trees that are not in the promised land. Man, uh, so I, I'm just like... As, as I dug into this, again, I've only dug into this for a few days, but um, as I dug into this, of course, God is speaking this literally over the people, but I began to see spiritual ties to the literal things God is saying. And, um, and yeah, I, I, I think it's just enough to mention it right now that there are spiritual ties to the literal things God is saying and that there's m- so much meaning here in in this uh, law of warfare. It's just so amazing. And I think the Lord will bring us back around to it later. But um, for now, we'll, we'll keep moving on. All right. So next in the introductory chapter, Wagner talks about unity. He emphasizes again that we're not called to be uh, or that we're not all called to be warriors that each of us as intercessors is a warrior, but that in war, it's important for some to stay home and to do what God is calling them to do, which may have nothing to do with war. 
Uh, basically, Wagner is warning us against spiritual elitism. And, and I think this is so important that, that we don't get caught up in the trap of thinking that, okay, we're, we're like this special, whatever, uh, above uh, elite group, and really, we're equal with everyone else. There's no one that we're above as warriors. We're given specific assignments as intercessory warriors, and other people are given specific assignments for how they're called to serve the Lord, and we're all equal. And I just think this was really wonderful that he would encourage us to pray for unity and to see others as just as important as us, because they are. And what they're doing is just as important as what we're doing. All right, last part of the chapter, Wagner encourages us once again not to fall into the trap that spiritual mapping is the end. He said that this subject is so fascinating that he's seen others fall into this trap, but the mapping is not the end. It's only a tool among other tools that we should use to make disciples of the world. Okay, so that about wraps it up for this week. Um, Until next week, I love you all, and I hope you receive encouragement from this review of the preface and intro of Breaking Spiritual Strongholds in Your City. So this is Pastor Drew saying, Continually walk in His power, and together, by the grace of our God, we will overcome every enemy. God bless you. Bye.